Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Leadership Network podcast. My name is Jeff Reed, director of Metaverse Church Next for Leadership Network. And it's great to be here with you on this podcast. We've got a great conversation coming up today. Now, remember, when we talk Metaverse here with Leadership Network, we're talking about Web3 technologies. Typically, it's virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, blockchain, crypto, artificial intelligence, decentralized culture, all sorts of fun stuff uh, centered on there. But today, uh, we're going to focus on artificial intelligence. We're going to talk a little bit about chat GPT, maybe some of the changes that have been coming out here recently within that software ecosystem. I don't know what to call it, but hey, to to have this conversation, I'm bringing in, at least within church space, the smartest guy that I know centered around <laughs> artificial intelligence. And so, and that's Kenny Jang. Uh, Kenny, hey, thanks for joining us today. Always, always looking forward to conversations with you. I love hanging out with you, Jeff. Awesome. Yeah. It's, Kenny and I don't get enough time in physical space. And that's no, funny. No, we don't. Because we're digital people. Uh, but uh, we do not get enough time to hang out together. Whenever we see each other, I, we're I think we need time. to we need to start logging how many hours on Zoom that we've actually racked up versus in person, and then do bar charts, right? That's that's <laughs> the pie graph where it's like that really tiny sliver yes. of, of leftover. And, and so anyway, listen, Kenny uh, leads uh, Church Tech today, uh, and and does uh, an incredible job, really. Uh, compartmentalizing and making difficult technologies and complex ideas very simple for church leaders, as well as he runs AI for churchleaders.com. And, and actually, Kenny, why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit about AI for church leaders? Um, it is something that we just started. In, it's just like what we do in all these other areas of innovation, Jeff. It's like, hey, there's something new. We're discovering that it's pretty cool. There's this sense of wonder of on this innovation front. And the best way to learn is not just to put your head down and try to learn it yourself. It's to actually connect with others that are experimenting. And so it was just that impulse to say, let's just collect and, and convene other experimenters and then share what we're learning. Um, it's kind of like the good old days of when church online started, right? It's, I think you find in innovation fronts specifically, um, there is the sense of generosity that is the default of any uh, culture that gets set in those communities. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening with AI. Everyone is trading notes. Everyone's excited about it. And then we're cheering each other on because there's no way that any of us can do all the learning by ourselves. And it's just one of those, it's like, what is that? Hashtag better together. So it's, it's a Facebook group. We're evolving that to another platform. But if you join AI for churchleaders.com, I think you'll find some other people um, that are way ahead of the curve and people that like haven't even started yet with AI, just, just trying to figure out what this, what this thing is. Fascinating. Well, and I want, I want to unpack the other community beyond Facebook group. Well, maybe that's off air. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in a, in a later zoom call, but definitely excited for, for what I've seen and been a part of with AI for church leaders. So, Hey, let's do this. I really want to dig into chat GPT. Um, and, and they came out with version four recently. Uh, and to be honest, I was actually the guy who was under a rock, um, when, when this came out, I, I was, I was in Israel, uh, disconnected really. And, and so I've, I've not, 
I've not had much of a chance to d- delve into what chat GPT four is. Uh, and so I'm excited to even at a personal level to learn here, but before we get there, like, let's even back up a little bit. There's, there's maybe there's somebody that's listening to this. That's like, you're saying words I don't understand. Um, it's a artificial intelligence. I think we got that covered, but chat GPT, um, where'd this thing come from and, and, and what, what, what does it do? So, um, We've all been using AI, everyone listening to this podcast right now, we've been using AI in our lives in so many different places. We just don't see it, right? Everything from the basic, when you do a Google search and there's an autocomplete, right? To your Netflix recommendations, to Amazon, et cetera. There's all these different places that AI is part of our lives already. So it's not in the future. It is actually here now. Um, What's happened in the fall was this organization called OpenAI um, was working on um, this interface called um, a chatbot, right? A conversational chatbot that allows us to talk to the AI in natural human language. And then the magic is it brings back the results in natural human language that we can understand. So um, that changed everything for AI in terms of the mass public. And that's why you're seeing it in almost every single vertical all over the place, um, and and people are starting to be scared about, you know, I you know I've heard it at a at an AI conference that we went to Silicon Valley. The term "fo fear of looming obsolescence, <laughs> the fear that AI is going to take over our jobs and right and and kill all the, the you know the vocations out there. Um, I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but also a healthy dose of yeah, that's not really going to happen, right? Every time we have this disruptive innovation type of thing happening it opens up so many new possibilities for flourishing. And so, um, yeah, so ChatGPT is just one of the things, it's called GPT because, I mean, to, if you really want to nerd out, G stands for generative, P is pre-trained, and, and the T is transformer. But at the very end of the day, Clifton version is, you can talk to the machine as if it's a human. It does its own thing with machine learning and um, large language models. And it uses natural language processing to spit back the results in human language. Um, so it really makes it easy to understand. And the number that you refer to, um, so um, popular, everything that we've been using so far recently since November has been ChatGPT 3, 3.5. And now we're on the fourth generation of this technology platform from OpenAI. So it's called ChatGPT 4. And it's kind of like, Every new iPhone that keeps on coming out, there's new features and whistles and, you know, all these things that happen. And so ChatGPT is one of those things that feels like a leapfrog from what we had before in many different ways. Now, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go back maybe five, seven years, 2015, 16, 17. I can remember having conversations with um, um industry experts like pe- people in the marketplace in, in the in tech areas and they were telling me that artificial intelligence is going to bring out a new renaissance area of humans because humans are are going to be able to be far more creative because with their jobs in the workforce because artificial intelligence is going to take over the mundane jobs now, in where we are in 2023, I see artificial intelligence writing articles. I use it personally for blog posts, creating art, photography. Um, like it almost feels like AI's got the the 
the the creative stuff and, and sticking to humans with all the mon- mundane like is this is this how how we thought it was going to go like uh, content creation being artificial intelligence step I, i'm i'm curious your take on that so one of the um innovators that was part of open ai that uh, built chatgpt 3 um and 3.5 um, I was at a talk that he was giving on a panel, and one of the things that he was talking about was like, hey, we built this thing, and we re- released it in the wild, and it wasn't until like a million people were on the thing that they realized what it can actually do. We're at the point in innovation that we're building things that we don't even know what the capabilities really are, and I think that's part of that little bit of the scary part of this technology that's out there that people fe- you know, fear. Um, and so the story that he told was that, Hey, one day, some guy on Twitter posted it that, Hey, I've been using uh chat GPT and it just coded an entire website for me. They didn't know that it can program code at that point. Mm. Can you imagine? And now we've heard, I'm sure you've heard if you've been following chat GPT in this generative AI category, that coding is one of the things that it can do pretty well. Uh, but at the beginning, they built it. They didn't even know. And so that triggered something. That was an inflection point in their mind, apparently, of, wow, we need to start thinking differently about what what we're actually creating here. And so that's a long answer to say, hey, I, I don't think this is what we imagined. And I don't think we know what to imagine going forward. But it's evolving so rapidly. Um, I think that it's it's taking twists and turns. That it's 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 a roller coaster ride for anyone that's following it right now. So as we you know we're talking to church leaders here, pastors, uh, high high level key volunteers. Um, you know, some may be hesitant, some may be skeptical of, of coming into maybe a lack of trust uh, centered around artificial intelligence. But as the guy who's literally running AI for churchleaders dot com, uh, what what do you see? churches how are churches utilizing this this ai technology yeah so uh, i again i think it's week by week or month by month the options that we have um are increasing so i'll just give uh, let's work backwards um just this week um, i just posted in the group an, an example that we're now able to do text to video so you're able to type in stuff and before right? Everyone knows you use ChatGPT. You type in something and it spits back text, right? Hey, write a letter to volunteers, giving them appreciation for XYZ, make sure that you are empathetic, right? And then it just, it it spits out really beautiful text that you could use. Uh, We know for Dolly, Midjourney, et cetera, you can do text and it spits out images. Well, now we're really at the point where you can type in text, describe stuff, and it will spit out video. And that is mind-blowing. There's a study that said by 2025, which is not that far, that we will see a major motion picture that was completely generated by AI. That's one of the predictions. That's very fast. 2025 is right around the corner, Jeff. Oh, yeah. And so that's, I think, that's the beauty of this thing is that we are now starting to push the limits of our own creativity. Right. We've at, at some point there was a gap between our creativity and what we wanted to do and what technology allowed us to do. Right. So in the church online world, right, we used to, you and I used to always be frustrated because we had dreams for what we could do with church online, but the technology wasn't there. 
this is a situation where it's almost reverse, where the technology is pushing our imagination. This is incredible. Um, you know, the, the text, the video, I'd, I'd heard that I hadn't, hadn't totally unwrapped that, but the, the, the movie by 25 would, would be, would be fascinating. I mean, and you see it where I'm sure you've seen the viral TikToker, the Tom Cruise guy, right? The total deep fakes. We see yeah, yeah, deep yeah. fakes all the time. They're getting so much better. You're seeing tools like Synthesia and all that stuff. I'm sure you might've, if you're following this stuff, you might've seen the demos where, um, there is human avatars. Um, in video form, you feed it a transcript and in text, and they will they will talk, and you can record the video. So there's that basic stuff that's like deep fake stuff and that type of simulated talking head stuff. But yeah. you're at the point now where you're literally going to see something that's even more profound than those that that basic application. So there's so, a lot of jobs out there, professions really that are at risk um, that we think are at risk. But it's probably much more expansive. There was a study that was just done, and they said that forty—I think it was like forty-five percent or four, so there's, it's, it was up right under fifty percent of jobs in the United States are at risk for exposure to AI. And the way they defined exposure is that it would have an impact of increasing productivity by fifty percent or more. Mm. Well, there's your follow, right? There's your follow. There's your follow. And then, and you oh. think about the the roles that this type of AI really um, is threatening is things like uh, translators, mm -hmm. right? English language translators or literature translators, um, telemarketers, right? Telemarketing where you can now have an automated stuff happen. And then in, in real time, based on what you feedback in terms of answers, it doesn't need to read off a script. It could work off the objective of what it's trying to learn and generate contextual questions on the fly better than a human that's trained at a minimum wage in a telemarketing call center. Um, so telemarketers is a different one. Um, you know, criminal and, and justice, sociology. I mean, there's all these things that I think really are at risk of changing the nature of the game. So I think it's really imperative for the church in particular to really start to understand what, what effect does this have? And I really think that church leaders need to consider discussing this thing with their staff. And again, for a collaborative formation of the stance and point of view at any given time, it's not your job as a team leader, as a pastor to have all the answers. It's your job to recognize this, that this is happening in culture. And what does it mean for the church? And what does it mean for the people that we actually serve in, in community? Yeah, this. I mean, this is obviously going to affect the economy. Uh, this is going to affect um, culture that that's surrounding us, and, and so the church developing different strategies or understanding of how to to inter interface and interact with this, um, utilizing it for for good and and for bad. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, and I, I've heard you know being a tech guy, like I've, I've listened to podcasts, I've read articles, and. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a, a lot of good. I've heard a lot of questionable. You know, I'm not sure. Kind of hesitant. Um, I ran across, and I think I heard this in, a, in an Erwin McManus podcast. I forget what it's called. He does one with his son. Uh, but they were they were talk. Erwin was was hyped up talking about AI, which was I I didn't see that coming. Um, but in, and he was talking about a New York Times article, and I think this is back in like February, um, where the the author did this unfiltered interview with with Bing's AI. Um, 
And, um, you know, and, and, and it was this, I pulled up the article a couple weeks ago and it just was, was filled with, um, really kind of shock and awe type of things coming out of this, this AI. It's like, I want to be alive. I love you. The article is talking about how the, the author, the reporter is talking about how different personalities came out of the artificial intelligence. And, and, uh, the New York times author was equating it to, um, um, you know, just just really being unfiltered with that without it being restrained. Um, did you, are you familiar? Did you see anything on, on this? Like it was really it's the first real negative. Oh my gosh! Like this is what we're working with that that, that I've seen. What what's your take on that? Yeah, so that that was a New York Times article. I believe the one that you're referring to is by a New York Times columnist, um, Kevin Roos, who, by the way, um, was at the conference that I was at at Silicon Valley called Gen AI. He was speaking at the conference and I believe it was in the hotel room that he had that conversation that night and then wrote about it and it published the, the, the week after, which was oh, very cool. interesting because what he said on platform was different than what he actually started to write about. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, um, you have to look at is the actual transcripts that he was using. And he was basically trying to jailbreak the safety measures that the AI platform also had. And so it's really interesting. It's like, hey, um, the AI didn't want to do anything. And it just kept on saying, no, you can. There's no damage. Continue to push it. And it, it went back and forth, back and forth and tried to coax it and um, gave it some constraints. Um, the second part of that is the way ChatGPT and generative AI, this style or this, this genre of AI works, it's not based on thought. And so... At a superficial level, when an AI says, I'm going to take over the human race and I'm going to do all these things, you think that it actually has motive, intent, and it actually has formation of that type of thought. The way generative AI works is that it literally just writes a sentence word by word and choosing the next word predictively, going back, then choosing the next word predictively. So it doesn't form sentences at once. It literally goes into this large language model and picks the next word without knowing what the entire sentence is going to say when it starts the sentence. And so what is it, what is it tapping in terms of um, trying to, to complete those sentences? It's, com it's based on the data set. And so that's some big percentage of the internet that's been scraped, all of Wikipedia, um, there's all these other databases that has been fed into the AI. And when you think about when it's trying to draw an inference of what am I supposed to say if I'm an AI machine that's taking over the world, what is that based on? It's based on all the science fiction that we've ever written as humans, all the movies, all the scripts, all the short stories that's published out there. And most of those stories out there is doom and gloom where, where the AI is going to take over. It's not the other way, right? Hmm. It's, it's, uh, it makes for a good story, right? So it's understandable that if you feed it that type of fundamental scripting, that's what's going to point, you know, it's going to spit out that that type of conversation. So I think there's a there's a couple of things where I think it's the business of journalism today. There's some sens sensationalism that he played into. That's my opinion. Okay. Um, and then also just if you look at how the technology actually works, you can't you can't read it as, oh, this is what the machine is going to do to us. Fascinating. Well, I guess I guess time will tell. And uh 
Uh, I mean, there, there definitely not- are places where you might be f- fearful of the technology, but there's also places where you have to have, you know, this balance and this other sobering, yeah. uh, really, uh, evaluation of what's going on. Folo can mean a whole other thing. Um, you know, if, uh, if Ultron gets the new codes, you know, the MCU would look a, a whole, whole different, but that's, that's another conversation. Hopefully, hopefully AI doesn't have the motives of Tony Stark. I, maybe we'll. Yeah. And, and, and again, I would recommend his book um, that Kevin Roos uh, wrote. It's called Future Proof, Nine Rules for Humans in the Age of Automation. It's a very short read, but it's very interesting. And um, whether you agree with all of what he says, or not, it's, it's, it gives you food for thought uh, in this area. Interesting. Future proof. I am writing that down now. Hey, um, let's, let's get, let's get a little practical here. Uh, so chat GPT four came out. Um, you know, I personally, I use Jasper a little bit more than chat GPT. It just seemed a little more stable, uh, in, in my context. Cause every time I would try to use chat GPT, the server was overloaded or would lock me out. And so like, I just, I've spent more time on the Jasper world. Uh, but, but talk to me a little bit, maybe what are some, some of the new features, maybe some of the new uh, opportunities, options that, that chat GPT four brings in. Yeah. So um, it's the fourth generation. Uh, most other platforms are using chat GPT three, 3.5. Um, and now people are starting to use four. Um, so it is, you know, we, we, we are experiencing quotes, you know, better improvements, um, out of the machine. Um, one is just the data set. Um, it just, it just uses much more data. Second, the big issue that I think, or the big benefit is it can process eight times the number of words that it actually remembers or responds to. So if you're using ChatGPT or even Jasper, there's a character or word limit that you can feed into the machine with your prompts before it says, oh, I can't accept that much. I just can't handle it. Like its brain is, you know, full. Um, And now uh, instead of like a 3000 word limit, um, it can now take 25,000 words plus or minus. It's based on tokens, which isn't exactly a word. So approximately 25,000 words versus 3000 words. Wow. So now you can prime it. So prompt engineering, as the term has evolved, is going to be much more um, dynamic and important for how we use AI. So instead of thinking of it as a push button candy machine, where you just feed it one question, cursory question, and just magically pops out some answer that you go off and use, um, it is conversational. It's a conversational chatbot. So you should be going back and forth and having the history of remembering the last 25,000 words on each side to evolve that conversation, to fine tune your results is is much more powerful. Um, and so there's other things that, I mean, you can literally, for example, let's just uh, cliff note, um, you can actually feed it a sermon, right? Transcript of a sermon now, that's more than 3,000 words. So upload, transform, give it, give it 20,000 20, words worth of a sermon, and then ask it questions or ask it to do things based on what you fed it, right? It's, it's just more powerful that way. Uh, the second one is it's multimodal. And multimodal means it just can handle more than text. It can handle text and images. Um, ChatGPT itself um, is, if you're using the, the service from OpenAI, um, can't handle the images and video yet. It's coming um, and you know, OpenAI has yet to show off how any video input's going to work. 
but that's that's happening right microsoft i think is prepping a, an event supposedly to show us that magic um one of the cool other things that it can do is like you can actually draw on a piece of paper a wireframe of a website for example this is something that was happening in a demo um a handwritten sketch of a website and then it just built the code for it that's magical in a way so if that can happen now imagine the improvements of the next couple of generations of where we're going to go um and so you'll see based on the api all these things that are happening across the ai land that are just going to be new and exciting um and you know you're seeing ChatGPT run on bing and all these other places right they microsoft just um said that it's going to be available in the office product line um, it's, it, there's all these things that are happening that I think is just going to be super powerful. Yeah. You know, Microsoft stops investing in Altspace VR, uh, shuts that down. AI comes out, you know, and that, that's probably a better long-term play for Microsoft anyway. Um, talk to me a little bit about Google's option, uh, Bard, uh, what, what's it, that's what it's called, right? Yes. Um, have you done any comparative? How's it look compared to chat GPT? So Bard just this past week, um, announced that it's opened the doors for its wait list. So if you haven't joined, um, go to bard.google.com and join their wait list. Um, and uh, by the way, workplace accounts don't work. It has to be a, a reg it can't be associated with a, a Google workplace. So if you have a private branded uh, domain name that's uh, using, you know, Gmail as a backend, you can't do that. You got to use um, a regular Gmail account, for example. Um, but yeah, that that just happened um early results and comparisons is saying that it's not as mature the res the results are not as fine-tuned uh chat gpt is a much further down the line again um google just started right so you're yeah. comparing almost like um a toddler to you know someone at the end of elementary school so it has time to catch up before you can do an apples to apples but it is a race and you're going to see um, a lot more improvements. Now, um, Google dropped, I think, was it over $300 million onto a company called Anthropic, right? So, so ChatGPT is based on the technology from OpenAI. That's the company that is building that stuff. And Google is now using Anthropic's AI technology, which is it's a little bit of a different model to build BARD. Um, and so there's other there's other ramifications there. Um, if you want to test out a little bit of what Anthropic does, there's a great mobile app that Quora has put out. The Quora folks has an app called Poe, P-O-E. And from Poe on the mobile phone, then you can now access ChatGPT, um, all these other models. One of them is called Claude, and Claude is based on Anthropic. So it's 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 like a very similar either brother, sister, or cousin of Bard, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to think of it that way interesting it's it's all it's all every, everybody family it's all family yeah and, and and again because i the way i like the reason why i like poe is because you can switch very easily between the different ai models ask the same question and you start to see what the difference is of why um you know why they're different they're not the same it's not ai equals ai equals ai hmm. a hamburger isn't a hamburger isn't a hamburger in this world um, because they have different fundamental technologies, they have different skews and biases. And so even Bing.com. So Bing.com uses ChatGPT. And what you get out of Bing is different than when you get out of ChatGPT proper. Interesting. 
So, I mean, are, are you advocating in, in this standpoint that we all just, we use all the AI systems and we have to learn all of them, or is it better just to pick one? I mean, like trying to really build, I'm, I'm kind of speaking facetiously here, but trying to build a relationship with four different AI systems is going to be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I, how do we navigate it, that? It's different than um, other industries in terms of maturity where it's not like, oh, do you need to like try a Windows machine and a Mac machine and a Linux machine? Because they're, they're, those are all like defined, relatively mature platforms. Here, it's literally, we don't know what's happening <laughs> from day to day with these models because they're evolving so fast. So um, that's one of the reasons why joining a community of peers and really trading notes and talking about it with your staff and with your volunteers and other pastors is really important at this stage. We literally, they are building the plane as we fly it. And so my suggestion is start, just start with one of them. ChatGPT is the, a very popular one. Um, and you know, you use Jasper. I like Jasper. It is also, they have Jasper chat, which uses GPT on the back end. It is, I think Jasper, the reason I like Jasper is because um, it is the, I think basically the number one alternative to ChatGPT that's actually connected to Google and the internet for their mm -hmm. Jasper chat. We didn't talk about the limitation, but uh, ChatGPT and all these models, they're fed all these da this data, but it ends right now um, as of 2001. So it doesn't know anything that's happened in 2002 or 2003 or currently. So if you ask it about anything that's recent, it just doesn't it just doesn't know. And so we'll just make up things, which we call hallucinations. But Jasper Chat allows you to, you know, bring in some Google data and it uses that as well. That's what Bing is doing, right? Bing is actually integrating live data from the internet as part of what it uses to generate the responses. So anyway, my back to the back to the prescription. Start somewhere, start somewhere free, and just get to know the tool. And it's just one of those things that once you start, it's like a hobby. Once you start a hobby, just naturally, it, you will evolve with competency and starting to explore and try. You're going to want to see what other things do, but don't have the pressure up front to actually know it all. Start somewhere. Pick a tool and then start using it daily for, I, I, I say, for most teams, do a 10-day challenge with your staff. Get everyone to use it every day for two weeks and have either a text, group text or Facebook group or somewhere where you're convening with your staff regularly throughout those 10 days and just trade notes. You'll be surprised at how much learning, collaboration and enthusiasm will be injected into your culture. 10-day challenge, start using AI every day. And in that, in that capacity... Let everyone choose their own tool. Um, it's it's better if everyone has different experiences and trades notes. Yeah. So don't follow. Do you see? Do you see the key here? It's peer to peer and collaboration. Let's learn together. I think that's a theme that we have to embrace here. Yeah, I I love that. My dog loves it too. I don't know if you can hear it barking in the background. I've got a I've got a worker, uh, construction guy working in my backyard, and evidently that's not going to work. It's okay. Hey. Listen, sorry, that had to like pivot in, in live time there because because my dog's nuts. Um, Kenny, man, thank you, thank you for this. Uh, you know that some of the takeaways that I'm hearing, 
uh don't don't follow don't fear uh the 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 looming uh obsolescence i think was the word that you said uh start engage as a hobby just start to explore it spend some time experimenting with with this space i'm hearing different tools have different um strengths and weaknesses and, and maybe find one that that works better for you but don't stress on that as much as just dive in yes. and start to better understand uh, the space um and it's possible to break the system but uh at, at the end of the day uh we don't have ultron motives uh in ai at this point at least in 2023 so it may say which is funny to me because i didn't it didn't put together that it literally writes word by word and so it's it may say I want to take over the world, but it doesn't understand what it's actually saying, which is a completely, completely other uh, conversation to itself. But this has been great. Kenny, sir, thank you for the time. Once again, you can check him out at uh, church. What was it? AI for church leaders.com. And, and so engage in that peer to peer community over there uh, and, and love the work that Kenny's doing there. And then uh, with church tech tech today, real quick as we're landing the plane, any closing thoughts? Um, I'm just, again, I'm just uh, thankful that you've invited me on uh, because I think this is just one of those things. Um, we need to have more conversations. We can't put our head in the sands. It's one of the, it's a disruption that already has happened. It's not going to happen. It has yep. already happened. And I just implore every church leader that's listening to this today to just try it out today. Don't be left behind, try it out. And you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think with the results. Yep. Well, well said. And so with that, we're going to land the plane. Kenny, thank you for the time, sir. And uh, you can find them at church, uh, com. For Kenny, this is Jeff uh, with the Church Digital, Digital Church Network. And more importantly for this, uh, Director of Metaverse Church Next for Leadership Network. Thanks for joining here on the Leadership Network podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.